All right, good morning. Is it just me? Hello, good morning. It's great to be here. Gosh, it seems like forever. Thank you so much for your prayers, and, and uh, I'm excited. This song today, let's stand to our feet this morning. This song I haven't done in forever. I love it, but I need your help with it. So here we go. Uh, there's going to be some areas where you've got to really stick to the reading of the words up there. Okay, are you ready? To, can you do this with me? Can we do this together? I mean, come on. After all, it's Brenda's birthday. We could do it for Brenda's birthday, right? Happy birthday, Brenda. All right. Come on, church. Do this with me. The God who sent him from darkness, let there be light, and there was light. Who is the God who made the heavens, the sun and stars, and moon and sky? He is the one who is like no other, omnipotent and no so wise, invisible yet never present. He is the holy God most high. This God. He Father, the ancient 
remission of days. He's the rewarder, the healer, the prince of peace, the hope and glory, and the soon and coming king. Hallelujah. This God, he is our God forever, oh, and ever, Lord. He'll be our guiding light from now until the end of time. This God, he is our God forever, oh, and ever, He'll be our guiding light now until the end of time. Hallelujah. 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 Give the Lord a good praise today. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. I do want to give you just a bit of an update. Uh, once again, thank you again for all your prayers. Uh, so the procedure I had, they did not drop me this time. All right. <laughs> you know, God is so good. He, uh, I did have quite a bit of favor from the Lord through this process. First of all, the uh, great nurses and great doctors. I got nurses that pray for me before I go in. I got a beautiful card afterwards, and they just do a great job. Uh, it takes this type of procedure, though, please be patient with me. It takes about three to five weeks for it to take effect. So it's going to take some time, but last night, praise God, was the first night in about three months I slept through the night, and I think God wants this message brought today. I really, really do. Like I told, I was telling Steve, this message you know, I had planned to do three weeks ago, and uh, but then my wife and the church wouldn't let me come, and uh, so, but so it's been marinating. It's like a good steak. It's, this message this morning is a good steak, and so I hope you're ready for, for God word. Also, uh, just just thank you so much to uh, as, to all the, the leaders in this church, whether it's our board or, or Steve preaching. Uh, thank you so much, Steve and Pastor Jimmy doing something on the fly like that, and Pastor Anna making sure everything was still happening down here, and Bob and so many. Thank you so much, and especially for uh, Friday night. I really missed uh, being at that outreach. Thank you to everybody who went to the high school to the uh, senior night in, in which uh, we, we gave refreshments for. Thank you to everybody who came out and helped with that. Uh, you know, the more we can serve this community in any way, and believe me, we can never take for granted when God gives us favor to go into a public school arena walking with the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? Every opportunity we get. I'm hungry for it. And so anytime we can get in there, it's a good thing. And uh, so please be in prayer for more of that opportunity. Coming up real soon, you'll be hearing more and more. We are only about eight and a half, no, yeah, seven weeks. I think about seven weeks away from our first movie night, our outdoor movie night. And so please be in prayer for that. This year, um, it's Pastor Jimmy's fault. He wants hot dogs. And so... <laughs> So uh, we have lots of things going on for that July. Oh, I, that's in August. But in July, our Sandwich Sunday. Now, we have Sandwich Sunday today, but uh, and, and it's sandwiches. I know it's a great theme um, for, for Sandwich Sunday. But next Sunday, next Sandwich Sunday uh, is uh, 
like the 6th or 3rd or it's it's right before right after I can't remember 4th of July but we'll have a 4th of July celebration uh downstairs for our next sandwich Sunday and then we go right into that into our movie nights it'll be really quick everything is going to move very quickly so uh other than that I know the seniors I don't have my bulletin in front of me the seniors have their potluck here a week from Thursday on the 15th Oh, look at that. On the 15th at 6 o'clock. And the theme, one of my favorite themes ever, is breakfast. They're doing breakfast for a potluck dinner. You can never go wrong with breakfast. I always go to, co- if you go to a coffee shop or something, and if the breakfast isn't good, you never go back. There's two things a coffee shop should get right, breakfast and patty melts. And so if they can't do that, I don't go. So I'm excited about uh, uh, breakfast. And then right the week before that, on June 8th, is our summit, prayer night. If there's ever a time we need prayer in this country, and it starts here with us, is, is, is now. We really do need to be in prayer. So I hope you will come. If you need prayer, I hope you come. If you want to intercede for someone or something that God has laid on your heart, this uh, time at this summit, I'm encouraging everyone to bring a, a couple of verses, or at least one, of a Bible verse that means something to you. And if we end up just reading Bible verses for a prayer night. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with that. So bring some of your favorite Bible verses, and uh, that will be a week from... No, that's this Thursday, isn't it? That's this Thursday. Huh? I'm sorry? Oh, July 2nd. Okay, yeah, that's the next Sandwich Sunday. Thank you. So, uh, so bring your favorite Bible verse for the summit and then come to the potluck and then we'll have another Sandwich Sunday and then we'll be at our movie nights. There, is that it? Did that fix everything? And Brenda's birthday. I think that's everything, right? And then, and soon Nalani and Coulter are going to know. Oh, tomorrow you find out if it's a boy or girl. Are you hoping for anyone? Are you, are you willing to admit that you're hoping for? You want a girl. <laughs> yeah. Who think, okay, so we can't, no, we can't bet in church. But <laughs> take, take your guesses now. So God bless you. Am I forgetting anything else? Bob? Okay. <laughs> well, then let's take five whole minutes and meet and greet one another.
All right. God bless you this morning. If you're new to Mount Zion Church, they don't know how to look at the countdown. If you're watching online, that's, that's why you're waiting. You're waiting for them. So I'm sorry. All right. Thank you again, everyone, for your faithfulness and your tithes and offerings. Summer months can be very difficult, and uh, if you can add a little into benevolence, we'd sure appreciate it. A lot of people are getting heavy uh, propane bills. I know that that's a big one right now. And, uh, you know, the church wants to help where we can help in any way we can. But we can't if we don't have any money in that benevolence fund. So God bless you for, for helping out with that. Um, Mr. Bob, I believe you're going to pray for our offering this morning. Thank you. Lord, uh, first of all, we're just thankful to be here in your house, Lord. And even more thankful we know you. We're very thankful that Pastor Eric is back. Very excited about that. And uh, thank you, Lord. Take us all down journeys. And I pray that uh, his health stays strong, Lord, just like everybody in this church, Lord. And I pray that the, shirt, uh, the church stays strong also, Lord Jesus. Lord, just bless this church. Bless the members in it, Lord. It's all yours, Lord Jesus. I just pray for everybody in here just to have abundant faith in you, Lord. Block out all the distractions, all the worries, all the doubts, and anything that just burdens us, that keeps us from just fully loving you and experiencing and fully feeling your joy and your peace and your wisdom and the courage you give us, Lord. Take all those hindrances away, Lord God. Let us completely be free in you, Lord God. Just break any... Anything that's binding us, Lord God, and free us completely, Lord God. And may that show up in our giving, Lord God. May we just give courageously, Lord God. And may we give by basically the uh, pushing of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that it gives us, Lord God, as far as our giving goes. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Father, we just come to you this morning, giving our best to you, our best heart, our best attention. Fill this place, God. Prepare us today, God. Well, why don't we stand to our feet and shut out the world for a little bit, huh? Let's just worship the Lord this morning. Yeah. 
Every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. 
Thank you for the sweet spirit that you brought into this place, Lord God. That breaks all our chains. It gives us peace and gives us joy, Lord. I pray for Pastor as we go into the sermon that uh, your words flow through him. And Lord, may our hearts and our minds be completely open to what you have to bring today, Lord God. Just fill us up, Lord God, with everything that you have to give us. In Jesus' name I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat this morning as the ushers prepare to uh, distribute. I just want us, I just want us to remember, just, just before you guys distribute the elements, um, one of the things that I've been really enjoying, okay, it really, I feel like I, my, I have a running gag in my house right now that because I've been on my back so long, I've watched every streaming show there is. And I came to the end, and it said, you're done. Um, but I've been watching uh, The Chosen, which, you know, there's some theological things in it, whatever. But it, I'm really enjoying the relationship between the disciples in this program. And one of the things that I just didn't realize, I just didn't realize how quiet it was, how focused they were on Jesus. 
You know, I was thinking if the disciples were walking with Jesus today, all of them would be following him like this. I really did. I was thinking, man, these guys, they, you know what? They're, there's just so much noise. And I, I just, I want to take the time today as we focus on communion, the message, the worship, being together. Please get rid of some of that noise today and let God speak to us. Let's be receivers of that. Try to clear your mind of your worries. Try to clear your mind of concerns right now. Right now, there's nothing for the next hour. There's nothing, nothing except for Jesus that's going to be done. God wants you here and he wants your whole attention today. So I'm going to sing this song and I I really want to I, I just thought appropriate for that feeling. It says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, I just simply come. So we're going to come to you, Lord, this morning in remembering what you did for us. We're going to come to this communion table together and focus on that.
everything I've needed when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, the thing I've needed when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. Father, we come to you this morning remembering what you did for us. And you would do it all over again because you care for us so much. It's kind of amazing. I was talking to someone today, but it's just amazing you love us. And there's nothing we did to deserve it. You chose us. And on the night before he was betrayed, the night... He tells his friends, I just want you to take a moment on these occasions. And what occasion did he pick? Time when they're getting together and having a meal together. That's why it's so intimate for us, isn't it? Have a meal. Sit down with someone. Have a meal. So he took the bread and he said, you know what? This bread, this is like my body that's going to be broken for you. And he was talking about the prophecies in Isaiah. And he's saying, look it, I want you to remember this. You, you break it and you, you pass it around and, and, you, and you say, Jesus did this for us. I'm giving you my body and we're sharing it. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your body that was broken for us, given for us. Thank you, God, that we can do this together just as the disciples did that night with you, we do it together with you now. Go ahead and take up the bread. And there's so much around that cup of wine that was around there. Probably a pitcher sitting in the middle of the table. So much in the Bible about new wine, old wineskins. So much about Jesus talking about the cup he had to bear talking about the first miracle where he turns water into wine. So much focus. But if you really relate when he says this was the blood that was shed for me, for shed for us, when he says that, now you take all that stuff he talked about with all the celebration, with the wedding and all the times with what he talked about, the wine, now you say it's the blood that was shed for us. Blood that that, that is a time we, we celebrate communion. We don't mourn communion. We celebrate it. Because the disciples didn't know it at the time. 
And if you could put yourself in their shoes for a second, they didn't know. He said he would raise again. But I don't know about you, I'd never seen it before. And I'm sure they hadn't seen it before. And it had to have been very difficult to think this is it. But Jesus said to celebrate communion, to do this in remembrance, because this is exciting. Today, salvation has come. Today, when we celebrate this, we celebrate that Jesus paid the price, made us righteous before our Father. Today. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your Son, for the blood that was shed, that we are covered in, and all of our iniquities and all our sin and unrighteousness is washed in this blood. And we are made white as snow in the presence of our Father. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take of the cup. So, Father, as we move forward in service, I don't want us, I don't want to take for granted this holy moment in which we repeat a, a command that the disciples did with Jesus, that we join with other believers and we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Thank you, God. Now prepare us as we move forward, God, in the Word. We ask you to reveal it to us. I ask you, God, for me to be decreased and you to be increased. Let the words that I speak come from you. Help me not to add anything or take anything away. Help us to be receivers of your Word today. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. God bless you. I have been, like I said, sitting on this message for a while. One of the problems... <clears throat> when you sit on a message, you think of other things to put in, right? If you don't just go right away with it. And uh, so I, I have this kind of routine. Uh, Pastor Anna, Jimmy, I know, know it. Uh, it's the only, I can't judge. It's hard to judge how long your message is going to be. I do know this, that if I have 24 pages of notes, it's not going to be a short message. It's not, don't worry, Eva, it's not 24 pages. <laughs> I typically do it in 14 font and everything separate, including the slide things, right? And it's usually between 12 and 14 pages. And this is right around that um, now. But over the past couple of weeks, I got up to that 24 pages because I kept thinking of stuff. God kept revealing to me and I had to kind of reorganize my thoughts. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, uh, or people, really, I should say, is Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, if you have your Bibles with you, I don't exactly know where things are going to end today. I don't know exactly how God's going to move. I simply know this is the direction he has pointed me at, and I hope we will all go together. We live in a very critical time, but as Christians, we just don't act like it. If I was thinking about this, my goal, and I, I always, my wife will say, so what are you trying to say on Sunday? What do you really have to kind of, they call it the napkin test. You've ever heard of the napkin test, Bob? The napkin test is if you have something like a, a tagline for your company, like we have changing the world from Pine Grove. The napkin test is, can you summarize something in an, on a napkin if someone asked you? 
And I guess my napkin test for me would be, if an angel dropped down today and appeared right now in front of us and said, Mount Zion Church, a week from Wednesday, Jesus is coming back. A week from Wednesday. And if he said that, then whoosh, disappeared. I wonder how many in this church, maybe even others, and how many would be telling others, by the way, there's a prayer meeting on Thursday night you may want to come to. I wonder how many of our churches would be filled if we knew Jesus was coming back a week from Wednesday. It's amazing when we get into desperate situations, we will turn to desperate measures. And I think it's hysterical for Christians to go, well, all we can do is pray. That should be our everyday go-to, not the desperate move. And so my napkin test is we have got to get desperate for the things of God now because it could be a week from Wednesday. It could be later this afternoon. And there are people dying and that are broken and need Jesus. And we've got to be equipped and we've got to be fired up and we've got to be ready to go and send them. We need to be caught in God's presence when he comes back. I just want you to open your hearts let the Spirit just flow in you this morning. So we're going to look in Genesis chapter 32 about Jacob preparing to meet his brother Esau. Jacob was a man who really lived in a couple of different dimensions. On one hand, he knew God, and he was a worshiper of God, and he depended on God, like many of us. On the other hand, he was also a conniver and a schemer, like many of us. He was a guy that could make a way when there seemed to be no way. He was incredibly resourceful. And sometimes it seemed it was the flesh opening up the door. Sometimes it was like God was opening up the door. And sometimes it seemed to be a mixture of both. But always, when it seemed to have no solution, Jacob could find one. He was just one of those guys. My daughters used to put it this way. Mom makes everything better, and Dad can fix anything. Jimmy, right? Just like many of us, we know how to depend on God. But there's maybe some confidence in our method, too. Our program, our ability, or something in our history, or our family traditions, or some kind of earthly wisdom you've gotten. And some of us haven't crucified some of those areas of the flesh that even though we know how to connive and we, know, we may even know how to bend the law here and there without really breaking the law. Don't say amen there, okay? <laughs> but Jacob is about to come to this turning point in his life. So much so, you know what I just thought about? Just thought about that. Holy Spirit just gave me a word. Let me tell you something. Some of us don't, some of you in this room and online this morning don't realize you're headed for a turning point. It could come in any minute. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. You don't, I don't know. But we need to prepare for a turning point. We need to be ready. I, I don't know who that's for. Amen. Amen. Okay. Be ready for your turning point. So much so in, his, in Jacob's life's turning point that his name is going to change. That's a big turning point. It's going to signify he's, got a, he's a new man. He's got a new destiny. 
God's going to give him a new name. He had parted ways with his brother Esau 20 or so years ago. Many of you know the story. Jacob was, when, when Esau and Jacob were, when, he, when their mom was giving birth, Esau was coming out first. Jacob was grabbing onto his heel. And then later on, um, Jake, Jacob uh, talked, uh, you know, Esau was so hungry and uh, Jacob was making this stew. And so Jacob said, well, give me all your inheritance. Give me all the birthright stuff. Give me all that. And uh, I'll give you the stew. And so he said, sure, I'm not going to need all that stuff or whatever. He was stupid. And he gave him that. And then later on, later on, his mom figures out a way to deceive J- his dad. And, and, and essentially, Jacob uh, tricks him into giving the blessing that was due to Esau. And so now he's not only got all of his birthright stuff, he's also got the blessing. Okay, so that, that would make uh, the older brother pretty mad. And Esau was mad. He was very mad. He wanted the last thing he had heard. It's been 20 years. It's been 20 years since all that happened. And the last thing that Jacob heard from Esau was, I'm going to kill you. I want you dead. The minute dad dies, I am coming after you and I'm going to kill you. And he thought, our father is old. And when he dies, I'm going to kill Jacob, is what Esau said. And Jacob was stolen the birthright, stolen the blessing. He's going to kill him. It's the last thing that Jacob knows. Now, Jacob has his family. He has his wives and his children. He has a, a bunch of flocks of, uh, and herds. And, 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 but he doesn't have a lot of manpower. He doesn't have that. And Jacob now is at a point where he's got to cross into Esau's region. It's been 20 years. Last thing he knows is Esau wants him dead. And he's got all these flocks and herds and all these cattle, but he doesn't have a lot of men. So we pick it up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 1. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw him, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanam. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him and his brother Esau into the land of Sire in the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, your servant Jacob, he's already kind of buttering the plate here a little bit, buttering the bread, okay? Your servant Jacob, he says, this is what he's instructed. This is what you say to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I've been staying with Laban and have remained here till now. I have cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats, male and female servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord that you may find favor in your eyes. Man, he is laying it on thick. He's trying by natural means... He's getting resourceful. I'm going to appease Esau. I'm going to butter him up here a little bit. I'm going to humble myself to him, and and this way he'll let my family through. So Genesis 32, verse 6, when the messengers returned to Jacob, he said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. So it didn't work. The buttering up didn't work. Within a day, Jacob's family could be all killed. Now, if you remember, his family's a pretty big deal. I mean, he worked 14 years for two of his wives. 14 years. If you remember that story of Rachel and Leah. I mean, this guy has figured out every way to make it through life. Until now. 
he's in trouble. They're going to be killed. They could be taken. They could be slaves. So Jacob has to hatch a plan. Genesis 32, verse 7. In great fear and distress... Can I just tell you something? We do stupid things when we act out of fear and distress. Nothing ever comes good out of acting in fear and distress. Jacob divided the people who, with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well, because he thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the other group at least may escape. I'm going to cut my losses here. I'm gonna, at least I got half my stuff. He's still thinking in the natural. He's trying to figure out the plan. And then Jacob prayed. Oh, okay. So he came up with, so he first buttered the bread, and then he went and, and he started sending him the deal. Now failed, and now he's afraid, so now he prays. A little late, but we'll go ahead. Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. In other words, you're the one that told me to go back, Lord. Look what you position you put me in. Do you un- it's almost like he's saying, God, do you understand what's happening here? Verse 10, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But, but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Verse 13, he spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, and 20 rams, and 30 female camels, and their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. And he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to, where are you going, and who owns these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second and the third and all the others who followed. So there's these groups coming in, just just trying to butter him up, just each time, a little bit more, a little bit more. Same thing he says to him. Verse 20, And be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, and this is where Jacob gets in trouble, where he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. He's like, I'll wait and see if it works. I'll stay in the camp. We'll see what happens. No matter what, Jacob has figured it out, and he's planned it. Something must have struck him that is probably going to fall short, though. Esau had been burning with anger and vengeance for 20 years. There's been no communication, and now all he knows is he's coming with 400 men. 
So I'm, I'm thinking Jacob's laying there going through every possible scenario. Okay, so if he doesn't accept the first group, maybe he'll accept the third. And he's going, well, I've got the groups divided into two camps. I mean, he's going through this whole scheme, this whole plan. I mean, have you ever been in that situation? Like, I think a good way of looking at it is like when you're in financial straits. Like when you, when you know you've got so many bills due. And, and, and back in the day, before you paid everything online, you would get a bill in the mail. It was a piece of paper. It had a stamp on it, Anna. And it would come to your house. I know. And so we would lay out the bills on the table, right? And you would look at them, and then you'd try to organize them and try to figure out, okay, maybe I can call PG&E and get this delayed. Maybe I can put this on a payment program. Maybe. And, and, even you, and I would work it out, work it out, work it out. And it's still, there's just not enough money there. What are you going to do? What do you do? You, there's just no getting around it. There's no way to pretend another way. I mean, when it comes to finances, that's why it's such a, a great illustration in that sense, because there's just, if there's no money, there's no money. And if there's a bill that has to be paid, it has to be paid. So you put it all on the table and you're still falling short? Or how about this? You've been traveling somewhere. You've got to catch your connection in the airport. And it's urgent that you get to the particular place and you look and watch and you've got to get there at a certain time and suddenly you realize you're falling behind and so you start driving maybe a little faster. You've got to get there. You accelerate and you realize there's just no way we're going to get there on time. It's not going to work. This case with Jacob was life and death. And Jacob's thinking, this is just not going to work. But I think God had him right where he wanted him. I think it took all of this because of how resourceful Jacob was. There are people in this country, in this town, in this church that are incredibly resourceful. And you might find yourself in straits in a dire time where all you have is God. And that's when you've got to look up and thank him. Because God has you right where he wants you. He wants you to depend on him. And his abilities. See, Jacob couldn't depend on his human ingenuity. He can't depend on his past experiences. He can't depend on his fast-talking ability. He can't depend on anyone else. He is alone. And that's where we pick up verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of, of, of the Jabbok. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And here's where it gets kind of cool. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. We'll talk more about that dude here in a second. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as his wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and have overcome. So when you talk about what he's gone through, and this is what you could have titled my message today, is Holy Desperation. 
We've been crying out to God for the fires of revival here. We've rejoiced in the good things that God has done. We've been crying out, and we're thankful. But we can't be satisfied. Now, I don't mean... I don't mean the presence of God. The presence of God always satisfied. I don't mean salvation. that always satisfied. But we used to, but the things that we used to say, like this is wonderful, this is enough, now leave us, this empty feeling that we have now, those things that maybe we rejoice in the past don't anymore fill us. There's got to be more, church. There's got to be more than just watching this country deteriorate, Christians be marginalized by suddenly we are this, this hate group that attacks people. All of a sudden we're now labeled with words like extremist and nationalist. You know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a recognition that we have to have to come to, that we need a revival in this country and in this church. And you know what else I want? I don't want just a revival. Then I want a revival in my revival. We've got to want more. We've got to start getting desperate. It's not God's fault that we merely carry on with the work. It is God's will that the waves of revival are here to carry us away, to carry us onward, to carry us upward, to carry us outward into regions that have never been touched and never been explored. There's more, but we've been too comfortable. When it's time to become confronted, when it's time to become confrontational, we just get accustomed to the things of the Spirit. We just get accustomed to it instead of becoming aggressive in it. Now, Jacob was aggressive, and I mean aggressive not in a negative way with God, but aggressive to the point where we look like, like we look at Goliath and go, I'll take him on. I'll do it. I know some of us here there's been great sacrifice. There are people that have given to this church out of their time and their resources. There are people that have been here since the beginning. There are people that have, that have ushered and worked and labored and volunteered. And you're heroes, and we honor you. But I, and, and when I talk to other pastors and my friends, I boast about the people here who have labored so hard, given so much, sacrificed, and gone the extra mile. And it seems some of you could say you've even gotten used to the pains of contractions and childbirth. You've gotten used to Mount Zion Church being kind of this stepchild out here, you know, that just kind of struggles every day and every week. We've gotten used to it. We've gotten comfortable. But you know what? It's time to push that baby out, man. It's time. We may always be stretching. We may always be growing, always be straining, always be moving. But what do you think it was like for the disciples? I mean, in the early church, when they saw that revival. I say all of that to say this. I believe we were at a point where God is ready to do wonderful and radical things that we have yet seen. I believe God is ready to stoke and turn up the fires of revival beyond whatever we've seen. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. 
I believe it's time for Pine Grove, for Amador County to be impacted, to be invaded by the believers of Jesus Christ. I believe it's time for fire to spread like we've never seen it before to the point where it reaches other nations, not just this county. And I, for one, by the grace of God, I want to be on the right side of it. I want to be in the thick of it. I do not want to be spectating. I don't want to be just watching God move. I want to be used by God. I want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to talk about the last move of God. I don't want to talk about the last memory. I want to talk about today. And I want to run at top speed for the glory of God. I want to be caught up in his presence and his power now. What we've seen at this church, at least the 11 years I've been here and the history I've seen here has been wonderful. It's been glorious. In a lot of ways, this church is a little bit like Jacob. It always makes a way where there seems to be no way. I know the 11 years I've been here, it's been like that, Bob, hasn't it? I don't know at what point we realized, but I, I just think I can't live in this direction anymore. I, I, I got to move in. A, 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 I need God to, to do more. And I don't want to let go of him until I get it. Genesis 32, Jacob got to a point where he could no longer go on the way he had been going. And it hits him suddenly. I don't know what point it hit him, but he suddenly realized it. And I want us to recognize in this state of, of depression Jacob was in, that he had a hunger and a desire, that we have to understand something. For those who have never wrestled with God, for those who have never been in the kind of, kind of physical heavy activity of wrestling with something, let me tell you something. How long are those wrestling matches even the little kids do? Total of three minutes. Is each round three minutes or is... And, and, okay, Anna, you're making my point. So why do they only do three minutes? Because they can't take it. Let me tell you something. When you wrestle with something, you can't wrestle for long. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I was a youth pastor. I forgot about it. you think we Back in the days of uh, world wrestling, um, our superintendent was our district youth director at the time. We did a, a sectional rally where all the youth pastors were different wrestlers. <laughs> and the money man, uh, Randy Savage, I think it was his name. Well, I can't remember many men. It was the money man. He lived in a town near us, and he came and trained us all how to do some wrestling moves. So we had a bunch of youth pastors, and I, I was the, uh, I was some kind of, I was the mechanic. That's it. I had cover, coverall, you know, and, and I came in with a sledgehammer, and, and we, and, and I had your entourage. We had our entourage that came. We had music. We did video, you know, uh, intros and everything, and we rented this big ring that we came. We had about 500 kids at this thing, and we put a microphone underneath the, uh, the, the wrestling, uh, ring so whenever somebody hit the ground it went into the subwoofer so it really shook the building every time and i went up and would hammer this thing well we were all set we were trained i was excited we were ready to go and uh brett made one one god for, forgive me brett our superintendent made a big mistake instead of getting a wrestling ring he got a boxing ring 
And if you know anything about rings, which I knew nothing, a boxing ring does not have the give that a wrestling ring has. So it was like hitting cement whenever you went down. And we were supposed to, I had this whole routine where I'm going against the ropes, we're doing all this stuff, and then I was supposed to be thrown over the ring and land on, it wasn't a table, it looked like a table, it was all made out of cardboard, so it looked like that, and then I was supposed to get up, get back in the ring, and throw him around. All I know is he threw me out of the ring, I landed on the table, and I didn't move. I was so tired. I was so tired. I was supposed to get back up, but I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. I was literally so exhausted. I can't move. So I just laid there. I didn't care. I waited till the whole thing was over. I was so tired. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just tired. You cannot wrestle long. And some of us, this church too, we've been wrestling a long time. Some of you have been wrestling with God for a long time. But you've got to turn it around. Because a desperation that won't let go, because it can't let go in desperation. We are so settled. We are so prosperous. We are so complacent. We are so lethargic. And we are so dependent on our own resources. And we just keep thinking, well, God's going to move more. Well, I'll just, you know, I'll come to service on Sunday, you know, not the Sunday school with Jerry. I'll just come on Sunday and, you know, at least a couple times a month. And I might even open my Bible here and there and put on some worship music in the car. And we think it's going to be just fine. And then when we sit in church and we, or we're in a desperate situation and we're wrestling, we go, God, I need more. I need more. And we've got to be shaken up. We've got to be touched by God, our country, our, our, our church, our loved ones. We all need the power of God. But friends, unless a change comes in us, it's never going to change out there. Moses, Moses is a great example. He's one of the most powerful encounters with God of any human being that most of us could ever even dream of. Think of it for a minute. He goes up to the Mount Sinai. God spoke to him out of a mountain. He spent 40 days alone. Considering this, he did supernaturally. He survived, didn't have water, didn't have food. 40 days, he comes down. He sees the sin of all the people. They couldn't wait for him to, re- to return. So instead, once again, we're going to do our own resources. We're going to figure something out. And they couldn't wait for him. They make this golden cow. And now judgment comes. And so what, is, what does Moses have to do? And God, they had to move out of that camp. They had to get outside of all that garbage going on. And God said to Moses, if I stay in the camp, the people would die. So I'm going to have to judge them. So there was a tent that was set outside. It was called the tent of meeting. And if anyone wanted to meet with God, they would have to go outside the camp. They had to break away. They had to go outside the camp. They had to go outside that to get into the presence of God. And when Moses would go outside the camp, it says a cloud would come down and, and in the tent, and all the Israelites would stand around the door of their tent and watch this amazing thing happen. Moses is going out there and the cloud comes down. Everyone just stops and looks. And the Lord, it says, would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. And Moses prayed. There was something in him. 
In the midst of the glory, in the midst of the blessing, in the midst of the moving, there was something in him crying out for more of a revelation of God. There's something he had to break out and take hold of. God had answered his prayer. God had given Moses all that he had needed to move forward. He can't stand back any longer. Imagine that. You're Moses. You're in the presence of God. You've seen these miracles. You're in the cloud. You see him as face to face. And what does he say? Oh, God, show me your glory. It still wasn't enough. I've got to have you, God. I've got to know you and experience you way beyond anything I've known and seen. Oh, God, I want that. I want to experience God in ways I've never even heard of. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for us to rise up? What's it going to take? We just want to sit back, skip a day of food, pray for an hour, read our Bibles a little bit here and there, turn off the TV maybe once or twice a week, and we meet with God and we think the glory is going to come down. Let me ask you guys a question. Because this is what I had to ask myself, too. How much room is there for God in your life? How much capacity is there for God in your life? Capacity. Some of you got to get rid of some stuff to make more room for God. I'm not talking about save room for desserts, friends. I'm talking about a holy starvation. God's purposes come to pass when your heart and mind get real with God. When the real God prayer comes into our spirit, the real God yearning gets hold of our nature, I guarantee you something's going to happen. God will answer the soul that asks God, God, I'm desperate. Can you really say, oh God, I can't live without the blessing? Not for some selfish thing, but just so God can touch us so we can touch others. I was watching a sermon on, on YouTube and the preacher was saying, he was quoting, I think, another preacher, and he said this. He said, Lord, give me souls or I will die. And I thought about that. Lord, give me souls or I will die. And I appreciated the guy's heart, but I was really wondering, do you really think he meant that? I mean, I had to wonder, and I prayed, would I mean it? Would I mean it? That's the conviction there, not whether he meant it. If I said, God, give me souls or I'd die, do I mean it? Do I feel that desperation? God, I need to see one more soul come into your presence, one more soul being saved by the light of Jesus Christ, one more, or I will die. The question comes, are we desperate for God? Many of, us, many of us know the words of Psalm 42. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. And I always look at that as I'm just thirsty for God. And really what that, that verse talks about is, is not a deer. David meant a heart. It's a little tiny miniature deer. And these miniature deers, when the enemy was chasing them, particularly wolves, they would be running for water and they could just find a stream that only had maybe even an inch and a half of water. These hearts had the ability to spread out 
in a full run and immerse themselves in that little teeny bit of water so that the wolf would lose his scent. David was running from Saul when he wrote that psalm, and he said, as the deer, as the heart is racing for the water, I need to get to God. I'm, think about, if you have the enemy chasing you that you know is going to eat you and kill you and serve you to the rest of the family, you are going to be running for God. You're going to be running for that water. You are in desperate need. As the deer is in desperate need of that water. So my heart is desperate after you, God. When it's turned towards God, the desperate hunger and starving hungry for the glory of God, you know what happens? Nations shake. When we are unified in that. Thank God for prayer meetings. Thank God for the summit where people come together. But I'll tell you beyond all that, we may think that we can just join hands with enough people and hold hands with enough people and the glory will come down for us. But it doesn't work like that. It can be one person. One person shut up alone with God that doesn't come out of their room until the glory comes down and that can change a nation. Desperation is more than just a normal hunger. It's a hunger to the point of death. The hunger for survival in the midst of famine and drought. Folks, if you don't think our religion, our relationship with Jesus Christ, our favor with God is not in a famine and a drought, you need to wake up. This country isn't a famine. It isn't a drought. Because we've gotten so complacent and we're not desperate for God anymore. The Hebrew word in Psalm 42 for the deer pants for the streams of water is actually an audible hunger. It's a craving that's so loud that it would give utterance to a sound. And I'm sure Pastor Anna and Pastor Jimmy and anybody who's had especially boys can relate to, when they're hungry, they make a lot of noise. I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. But where's our hunger for God in that way? We have to recover the awe. Are we panting after God? Are we thirsting after God? Like this animal in a desert that will die if it doesn't get water. Are you hungry for souls and for the glory of God? Are you aware of the awesomeness again of Jesus? The awesomeness of God, the wonder of his works. Because the needs are still there, folks. The sick are still there. The bound are still there. The oppressed are still there. And our nation is going to hell around us. Something's got to change. Something. We've got to look at it. We've got to look at the pain. We've got to feel the pain. We have to feel that burden. And then go after God until he uses you to set the captives free. Until he uses you to change history till he uses you to change a generation. I wonder, are we really willing to let God break our hearts? Something's wrong. Something's missing. 
How many times has this been spoken from a pulpit? From this pulpit? How many times have we called for a potluck meal or something and, and, and the whole church shows up and you call for a prayer meeting and you get the same eight people? How about Easter and Christmas? The place is packed. Super Bowl, it's empty. That's not hunger. That's not thirst. That's convenient Christianity and that's not what God called us to. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I don't think hunger and thirst is comfortable. Jesus himself said, if anyone thirsts, let him come after me. Let him come to me and drink. We need here today a desperation, a hunger so intense that it's all-consuming, that all it is is dominate you. A hunger that's so powerful that it says to an angel, I'm exhausted, I'm bone-tired, but I ain't letting go of you until you bless me. We need a hunger that will not let go, that it cannot let go, that cannot quit, because to quit is to die. That is the key to revival. I wonder, are we feeling that desperate? It's up to us to come. To you to come. Whatever it is, if you cry out to God and say, God set me free, whatever the cost, whatever the consequence, I want to live for you. Set me free, God, so I can be yours. Let me tell you what he'll do. He'll set you free. And if the sun sets you free, you will be really free. We've seen some awesome things from God. But I don't believe we've seen what we're supposed to see yet. I'm going to give a simple call online and in this room. If you don't know Jesus, this is for you. This is your time to come. Cry out to God in whatever way you know how. But now's the time to come. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you just need to see a breakthrough, if you can't live any longer the way you've been living, if you can't do anything until you see God, don't wait anymore. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I said to my wife, with, with the pain, it's been a rough, I, I, look, I don't want to, do a little, you know, but I, you know, this past six months or so, I've had everything from kidney stones to, to that stupid flu that's been around and this stupid back and stupid stuff. And I just, I get frustrated. And how long, Debbie, how long? And I just say to God, how long? But I know this, no matter what, and I pray against the enemy. I do that thing, you know, the thing in the name of Jesus you demons that are bugging me right now get out I do the, the praying to God God I'm desperate to get rid of this pain God I just need to get the work you've called me to done I'm, I'm missing relationship on people I'm not able to get the job done that I'm called to do I need to shepherd people I need to be in contact with people I can't do it how long and Deb reminded me of something this morning I'm still here 
I could cry out to God in desperation, but I'm still here. And as long as I have breath in my lungs, I want to see souls come to Jesus or I will die. I really do want to see people come to the Lord. I want to see God do a move in you so you can move in this community. I want to see God move in your families and your grandkids and and generations after that. And I'm not ready to just lay in bed for that. I'm just not willing to lay down anymore for it. I'll go through what I have to go through. Big deal. Jacob had to live with a limp for the rest of his life. You know what's interesting about that, though? This is where I'm jealous about Jacob. Jacob, you little schemer. Did you check this out? You never see where Jacob cries out in pain when the angel touched his hip. It doesn't say Jacob was in pain. just said now he had a limp for the rest of his life. So I was a little jealous of that, to be honest with you. But listen, stand to your feet this morning. Stand to your feet this morning. Let God speak to you this morning. Look, we're going to go down. And we're going to have some food here. We got a little bit of time. Come on. We got a little. That, maybe that hunger is good. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Maybe that's a good feeling. Yeah, that's a good hunger. A good hunger that reminds me my body hungers. My soul needs to hunger the way my body's hungering right now. Maybe it's a good time to come down to the altar and say, God, I'm desperate for you. I need you to change the situation. Maybe you want God to change your home, this church, your community, your people you work with, your loved ones, your family. Maybe you're not. Maybe God, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. And you say, God, I want to be desperate. I want to be hungry. So change me and make me like that, God. If you come down now, come to this altar now. Don't wait. Come down and let God speak to you. And remember, when the deer panted after the water, it was audible. It was an audible, I need you, God. It was audible in speaking to the Lord. Don't let a moment go that you need a desperate move of God. And just begin right now. You don't have to be quiet. You can cry out for God right where you're at and just say, Lord, we need you. We need you in this country. We need you in our community. I need you in this church, God. I need a mighty move of God to come down and fall. I want to see signs and wonders, not for me and not for the believers, but so people can see you are the God of miracles and you are still on the throne. You are still in charge and you are still moving in your mighty wind of the Holy Spirit. God, use this small, but you can change the whole world with 12 dudes. You can change the world again using a few more from Mount Zion Church. God, you can use the the internet right now where people are out. Cry out to God in desperation right now, wherever you're at. Whether you need to come to him and you need to repent and you need to believe or whether you need to be fired up again. You say, I don't feel desperate. Well, God, I want to feel desperate again. God, make me hungry for you. God, make me thirsty for you. God, I need a change in direction. God, I am not going to let go until you bless me. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I can't make it on my own. I need you, Lord. I can't make it. I can't make it without you, God. Come on, just begin to cry out to him. I need you, Lord. I need you. I gotta have more of you. I'm not letting go till I get more of you. Come on, Holy Spirit, move in this place. Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of those watching. 
Holy Spirit, there are people that are hurt. There are people that are sick. There are people that have been, been bedridden. People who have been able to get out of their houses because they've been so down and so out and their health has been struggling. God, do a miracle right now. Begin to just, I pray right now, God, that we begin to receive messages all over, whether from people in here, people watching online, that God, that God did a miracle today, that God set me free from this bondage that I've had, that God is moving. God, we just ask you, we need to make us desperate for you, Lord. Make us desperate for you. Whatever. I know Jacob's circumstances were pretty dire. Father, we come to you before our circumstances on our own are dire, but we already know it is. It is as if you you told us, you told us you're coming back. You're coming back and we won't know when, but I know it's going to be soon. I don't think there's any Christian who doesn't believe that. So if it's soon, then we need to get desperate. We need to get desperate for you, Lord. Oh, Father. Father, I thank you for such wonderful people today. Oh, God, you've brought such great people to this church. But God, we have so much more to do. We have so much more to see. Use us, God. Let us be desperate for you. Let it not be a time when we... When we can gather together, let us not forsake the gathering of the like-minded. Let us meet and, and, and be together and encourage one another and glorify you and amplify you. Let us be the salt and the light of this community, Lord Jesus. Some of us have lost that saltiness, and we need a revival. We need a revival in our hearts of desperate for you. A revival in our hearts to be anointed by you again. A revival of the Holy Spirit moving in and through us again. Oh Lord, let it be so. Let us not stop crying out to you, God. Oh, show us your glory. Bring us your glory. Oh Father. Oh Father. We wait on you. We wait on you. So, Father, as we go and we enjoy a meal together, let us rem be reminded that as, as our little potluck is satisfying to our physical body, that, God, you would remind us that only the Holy Spirit can satisfy our spirit, our souls. Let us be reminded what a joy it brings to you when we gather together in your name, that it really is worshiping you, God, when we love one another. God, I pray that this sermon, this message you gave me that was shared, that it doesn't wear off that we don't become dull to it. That God, it carries us each and every day a desperation. We need to see more of you or we will die. We need more of you, God, or we will die. Let it just carry us through. Let it never wear off. Go ahead, Virgie. God wants to do miracles through each one of you. You're not limited by your human ability. 
when you trust in God. 100%. He will do it through you. You need to let him, you need to believe that he wants to do it through you. And he will do it through you. That's the plan. God, God is so full of love and mercy and grace. And he wants you to embrace that love, that mercy, and that grace. And let it flow from you out into everybody that you meet. God wants to do, the word says, greater things than I did shall you do. That time has come. The time has come. God wants to do mightier things through you and me than he's ever done before in this community. Trust him. Keep trusting him. Keep believing him. Keep seeking him. Keep seeking him. And he will come. He will come. Thank you, Father, for your encouragement today. We take it that he will use us. So we make ourselves available to you, God. Make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Let us love one another. And let us enjoy your presence. We thank you for today. Let it not wear off. Let it keep us hungry. Keep us desperate for you or we will die. In Jesus' name, the church said. Come on, give God a praise this morning for his word. Thank you, Father. All right. Now, I hope everyone will come downstairs and have some food, because I know I'm starving, and I mean that in a good way. Mm-hmm.